All right, let's get uh, let's take, let's pray and then let's get rolling. That sound good, everybody? Let's pray together. Father, we just want to come to you tonight, God, with grateful hearts. God, I know we've all been through sometimes just a difficult day, God. We've had things that's going on that were beyond our control, uh, things that didn't work out the way we wanted to. God, that's called life. Uh, and God, I just pray tonight as we come in here, God, we take a deep breath. We'd realize, Lord, that we're not in control of nothing, even though we so desperately try to be in control of everything. God, you're sovereign. You're in control of all things. You're in control of us. You're in control of this time, God. And I pray you would have preeminence in it. I pray that you would speak boldly and loudly into our lives tonight, God. I pray you would expose those areas in our lives, God, where we have blind spots. Or sometimes, God, we don't have blind spots. We just have pride. And I pray tonight, God, you would speak. God, that we as your people, we would listen. We would hear. And God, that listening, that hearing would lead us to obedience. So God, I just pray, Lord, that you would be in and through in the midst of everything that we say and do here, and that you would receive glory. More than anything, God, we thank you for Christ. So we make all of our prayers in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's see. The last couple of weeks, we've been through a bunch of different stuff. This is week number five. Can y'all believe that? Week number five. Whew, going quick. First week, we talked about God's purpose and plan. God designed marriage from the beginning, and it ain't about you. It's a covenant relationship, a permanent promise between you, your spouse, and God. Week two, we moved in and talked about the gospel and your marriage and how we've been reconciled to Christ. What a wonderful thing. Look that word up sometime. That's a great word to look through and see where we're at there. Also, we talked about forgiveness and forgiveness, not just that God showed us, but that we need to show others, right? Marriage cannot be your primary joy. The primary thing that fulfills you must be God through Christ. So week number three, we talked about your marriage and mission. What kind of mission are we on? Are we being intentional or are we just drifting through life? I pray that hopefully we're being a little more intentional with things that we need to do. And then let's see, we talked about routines versus living on mission. Last week we talked about isolation. Hopefully y'all didn't go after that and go hide in the corner by yourself, but you realized, hey, we need each other. We need Christ, right? So overcoming isolation. Remember the results of sin are what? Shame, guilt, fear, blame shifting, battle for control. And the other fallout from the fall is always pain. Pain and all sorts of things. And y'all have experienced the pain today, right? So hallelujah. Pain is good for you in some ways. Because guess what it does? It grows you. And also, if something hurts over here, how quick are you to go back and grab hold of it? Most of the time, not that quick, right? We learn from it, right? So tonight, we're going to start. We're going to talk about fulfilling our responsibilities. Y'all want to talk about being responsible tonight? Wow, that's rough, right? It's going to be awesome. Okay, so what I want to do first is I want to look, look at here, and I want to ask, what's a list of responsibilities of a wife and a husband? Any answers up here? So whatever you want to put out there. Go right ahead. Husband is provider. Okay. He's also a protector. Okay, now we're seeing the load up on one side of the board now. Okay. Life is nurturer. Oh, Okay. Guide the home. Wife is the guide of the home. I didn't hear that. She's the guide of the house. Guide the house. Okay. I thought that's what you said, but I wanted to make sure. Guide the home. Okay. Pretty simple then, right? Only two each, right? Piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Anything husband. else anybody's got? Husband's to love. Oh, oh. Wife right. is two, mm-hmm. but. Okay. Emphasis on the husband. Okay, and I'll put it in a little bit of Hold on. There we go. A little, little bit. Okay. Spiritual leader. 
It, that, no, the wife? Oh, no, okay. Spiritually, okay. I'm just making sure. Sorry. Anything else? Hold on. Respect on the white side. Oh, wow. We're going to get biblical here for a second. Hallelujah. Okay. Anything else we want to add to the list? Because should be a servant. Servant. I like this. Uh, we'll do a supporter and then I'll put out to the side that, right? Actually, I'm going to put XO, if that's all right. Then I'll put CO over here. We'll do that. So you have a command officer and executive officer. That's just a good, I like the military thing. I'm sorry. I heard it in the back. Proverbs 31 is what you said, right? I thought XO was kiss. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's not how, um, my executive offer was never much on kissing nor hugging. But um, okay. Proverbs 31. Did we hear anything else? Yeah, virtuous. Probably said. Um, virtuous. Are here. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Now we're fixing to get this ladies' list. Little. Let's put a couple more up here. Uh, anything else, y'all can think of? Life submits. I know we don't like to think about this, but the husband in the father role should carry the disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. Is to draw her in an understanding way. Ooh. Okay. According to knowledge. Anybody else? Anything else? Selfless and sacrificial. And can I do that in the middle or? Right for yeah, in the middle and both. Okay, I'm gonna do it like this. Right, hold on. Okay, and then we're gonna we're gonna cap this right because I, I need to erase this here in a minute because we're gonna bowl this down a little bit. Does that sound all right? All right. So there's a whole lot of different things we can talk about. We could also say. Husband takes out the garbage. You know, there's a lot of things we could go on down in there, but we're not going to do that right now, right? So, have you ever had somebody tell you that they'd meet you halfway? No. Did they actually meet you halfway? No. Most of the time, somebody says, hey, you know what? I'll do half and you do half. Their half tends to be about 22%, right? Depending, or their half could be 71%, right? We're a very poor judge of distance when it, coming, when it comes to the halfway. In culture today, we've created this gender blender when it comes to roles and responsibilities, right? We're always, what's that thing that they say about marriage? It's 50, 50, right? Do y'all think that works? Why does it not work? You still got 50% left somewhere. You got 50% left somewhere? But she had the 50 and you had the 50. 50, 50 make 100. Or not plus not equals. No, okay. Here's the problem with 50, 50. It's acceptance-based, right? If you do your share, then I'll do my share. Unfortunately, performance is supposed to be like glue. But most of the time, performance in our relationships is like what? It's like Velcro. You put a little pressure on it, it comes apart. And that's the problem with the 50-50, right? And I'll show when it's 50-50, we look at it, and it's all about giving that affection. Somebody did something, now all of a sudden you love them a little bit more, right? They met your standard. When they don't, what do you do? You withdraw, right? Is that godly? 
Is that how God loves us? No. No. Okay, I'm glad you want at least one or two. Conditional, right? We don't want to be conditional, right? Because God loves us unconditional, right? So motivation for action is going to be based on a feeling. Not how you know how you feel for somebody versus doing the right thing. So that's what we're sort of looking at, right? Dennis Rainey has a little saying here, but I thought was pretty neat. It says, when two people are on a horse, one of them's got to be in the front, right? So let's go and let's look at the scriptures, and then let's erase part of this, and we'll write some more stuff up. Does that sound good? Anybody got a guess where we're going to go tonight? Ephesians 5, hallelujah. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 5. We're going to, instead of starting in 22, we're actually going to start in 21. Actually, hold on. That's not fair. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's, let's start in verse 20. I like that even better. Y'all all right with that? Good. Okay, Ephesians 5 verse 20 says this, and we're sort of cutting his uh, topic off here, but I think it's important to see where he goes here before he goes to marriage. He says to give thanks always for all things. So you're supposed to give thanks for what? everything so you give thanks for all things to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ and there's an interesting word here before we get on there submitting to one another in the fear of god so the topic of submission doesn't come up first when it talks about submitting for the wife it talks about us submitting to one another in the name of our lord jesus christ right so uh, verse number 22 wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the, body, does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless... Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. So let's do something real different here, right? We wrote all this stuff down, but let's take this and say, okay, this is all good stuff. But what does this passage say in particular? I don't know if y'all like writing stuff on the board. I always love whiteboards. They're one of my favorite things ever. Because they help me remember stuff. I don't know if y'all have that issue, but I can't remember much of anything. So let's look at the wife first. Is that all right? So let's write, uh, I think there's three different things that I wrote down that she should do in this passage. Can y'all call them out to me? Submit to your own The first thing she's called to is submit. What's the next thing she's called to do? She's to be subject to, correct? And then in 33, what does this tell her to do? Respect her reverence. Okay. So does anybody see anything different? That's what I wrote down. I could have missed something. Okay. Let's stop right there and let's talk about the ladies for just a minute. Then we'll go to the guys. How's that? 
Great. I thought y'all would really enjoy that. Okay. So what I first did when I looked at this was I thought, you know what's important? What does the words mean? I like a dictionary. I don't know if y'all like a dictionary, but I like a dictionary. So I went and looked up the word submit. So the word submit is a verb. It's a transitive verb. For those of y'all who are English teachers, bless your hearts. And it means to yield, resign, or surrender to the power, will, or authority of another with the reciprocal pronoun. Now, that, what the reciprocal pronoun means, I'm not real sure. So let's just take that off. So to yield, resign, or surrender. And then there's two verses that comes up in the actual dictionary, which I thought was pretty cool. Genesis 16, 9 says, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hand. Anybody know who that's talking about? Thank you. Hagar, right? She had left. She took her little boy. What was his name? Wow. We are doing good Bible trivia. It's coming up soon, right? And she took off because she was mad. She didn't want to be treated like that. Was she treated good? No. And she went out and she was like, you know, I'm pretty much done for. And God speaks to her and tells her to do what? Return and submit. Did that work out for her? Yes, right? Okay, the next one is in this one where it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And in 1 Peter 2.13, it says, We're to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. What does that mean? How many of y'all put your seatbelts on? Is that an ordinance of man? Whether you like it or not, right? If you got a motorcycle, guess what you need to have on your noggin? A helmet. A helmet. Amen. Okay, so another one... Uh, uh, Definition is to refer, to leave, or commit to the discretion of judgment of another to submit a controversy to arbitrators or submit a question to the court. So definition of submit, right? Yield. There's a sign, and it says stop on it, and there's another one, and it don't actually say anything, but it's sort of a triangle-looking shape, and that means you're supposed to do what? If nothing's coming, you can do what? You don't have to stop. That's just a little traffic tip for you, right? If, it, if there's nothing out there, and it's not stop, you can do what? Gone. Gone. Yeah, okay. So we'll make sure we understand that. All right, so the next one is to be subject to. The uh, definition for that is to be placed or to situate under. To be placed or to situate under. And the other thing it talks about is being obedient, to be subject to. If you take the subject to off and we look at subjects, is that what they called people back in the day that were part of a kingdom? They were subjects, right? They uh, followed that leadership. So... Uh, and a couple of verses here I thought was interesting because we actually looked at these the other day. In Luke, Luke 2.51, Jesus has went down with his parents, right? And he's went down there, and he's like, i got to be about my father's business. But it says he did what? He left and he was subject to his father and his mother. Luke 10.17, the demons are what? They're subject to the name of Jesus. Romans 8.20, the creation was subjected to Futility because of sin. All of those have that different uh, meaning to it. Understand? Okay, let's move down a little bit further. Submission means following leadership. How many people in here have never had to submit? We talk about submission like it's a dirty word, and every person in here has had to submit to somebody at one time or the other. Whether it was your mother or father. Or I remember, can I tell you all a story? Is that all right? I remember when I was 17, I graduated from high school. I'm like, I'm sick of these people telling me what to do. And a couple weeks later, I'll end up in Chicago at this place called Boot Camp. And everybody there told me what to do. Be real careful what you want, right? We all have to submit. We have a negative tendency in marriage because we're doing what? We go to comparison because the world tells us to compare ourselves to everything. There's only one standard we need to compare ourselves to, and that's Jesus, right? That's the problem we have. The negative tendency is for a man 
to retreat from leadership and a wife to step in. That is a huge problem. It started where? In the garden. And it's followed us ever since. And while the wife, she may be extremely competent to make good decisions, guess what? She's replacing the role that God outlines in Scripture. Biblical submission does not violate the personality that God's given a woman, but calls, out, calls her to live out her personality to the fullest as God intended. The submission and being subject are not the husband's to command. So, fellas, put it back in your pocket. It ain't yours to go and say, woman, submit to me. Not your call. It's God's call. She's not really submitting. You should submit to God first and you afterwards, right? That should be ours as well, right? Are we not supposed to submit to God? It's not for us. It's for the wife to willingly and lovingly offer her choice. I did say choice. You don't have to, but maybe you should. Your own husband limits this to one man. Notice how it says there. Not a bunch of them. The one that God's placed over you. And it gives a balancing emphasis that he is hers as a personal, intimate possession. You want to read some racy scripture? Read the Song of Solomon later, husbands and wives, and read that. It'll talk to you about that relationship, relationship, that intimacy between a man and a woman. She submits to the man as to the Lord, which is an act of obedience from he who gave the command as his will for her, regardless of her husband's personal worthiness or spiritual condition. I'll read that one more time. We're to submit because God commands us to, not whether your husband deserves it or not. That, that's tough. Because guess what I am? Can, can we be honest? Do I deserve it? Not in any way, shape, or form. You know what I deserve? Death and hell. I don't deserve a good woman. I don't deserve that at all. But God, because of his grace, does something that's amazing in the marriage relationship. One other area that's used in Genesis describes the wife as a helper. It's out of this scripture. I didn't write it down here. But it does describe the wife as a helper in the original where we see the woman come on the, on the scene, right? Being a helper, a woman's called to be a helper in that relationship. Helping involves a willing followership. Followership. That is a weird word. Followership. Not in a mindless way, but in a vigorous, robust, feminine way that comes alongside a husband as a partner. And yes, I copied that directly out of a book. That's not my language at all. Because I would never say all of that in one sentence. But that's a helper. Guess who else is called a helper in Scripture? Psalms 121, 1 and 2. We look for the... Where does he look for? He looks for the help from where his help comes from. The Lord, right? The Lord is a helper in those situations. So the last one we're going to look at is respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to all of us tonight, right? Couldn't help it. Sorry. Had to say it. Must have been said. Some of y'all don't know what that means. Google it later. Just a little bit. So respect. Uh, so respect means to regard, to have regard to in design our purpose. It says to have regard to in relation our connection to, to relate to. To view or consider with some degree of reverence, to esteem as possessed of real worth, to look towards. All of those are the uh, term for or the definition for respect. Another thing it says is to respect the person, to suffer the opinion or judgment, to be influenced or biased in regards. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor. Leviticus 19.15, right? It's giving us the opposite of that. Don't put it in anything, you know, don't not respect them because of their condition. So respect in the, that, that was the verb. Man, my English teacher from high school would love me so much for saying this kind of stuff. She never thought I'd amount to much. 
Uh, but in the noun, it means to have regard, attention, goodwill, favor. Genesis 4 4, the Lord had respect to Abel in his offering. Paul is summing up this command by calling the wife to respect her husband. If you look at this last verse, he says here, it says, nevertheless, he said this whole thing. Now he's going to sum it down to one real good statement for both. Let each of one of you in particular so love his wife, his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband, right? There's no more powerful attitude that a wife can have towards her husband than respect. No matter what kind of cooking, nothing else goes. Respect. That is what a man needs and craves. Oftentimes, men, let's just go ahead. We ain't there yet, but let's jump over you a little bit. We'll take peace over this. It's not a worthy trade-off. Because that peace is going to shift at some point. So just a little fun thing for you, right? Respect is not shown just with words, but it comes with actions and flows from an attitude of the heart. Women are also called to encourage their husbands to lead their family. For most men, their deepest fear is failure. And the deepest need they have is to have confidence. I will tell you, when me and Anita were first married, I didn't talk in front of people. Anita's always been friendly. She talks to everybody. I really ain't got much to say to anybody. And I'm still like that in some ways. For people call them stuck up. I guess you could call me that. I just don't know what to say in most situations. I'm not, it's not my comfort level. Now, as, as we surrender to God, guess what he does? He wants to use you in different ways that you don't want to oftentimes. The best thing for you to do is do what? Step up and do it anyway. And he'll amaze you with what he can do. Ma'am? To step out of your comfort zone. Yes, ma'am. That comfort zone is called a grave. We don't need that, right? So... A man needs to know they can succeed, and that kind of confidence that a wife gives sometimes is what a man needs to take that step and be the man that calls that God's called him to be. And when a husband makes mistakes, he needs encouragement for the ways he's trying to lead. Let's not tear down. Let's continue to build up. Okay. Any questions about the wife's role? Responsibility here. Let's move to the man. Interesting here. Uh, let's go through the scriptures, and let's uh, tell me what he uh, is supposed to be doing. Okay, I'm just going to put love on there. I'm not writing that much. My hand's starting to hurt. What else? Give. I can't spell cherish. It doesn't start with an S. Okay. And we'll put nourish beside of it because I... Nourish. That's not spelled right. I did go to school in Yakima County. Uh, anything else? Hold on. Let's do this over here for fun. Pretty sure it's four times in there. He's told he's a loving wife. What else? Leave his father. Okay. I'm just going to put down leave. And I'll put down here beside of it. I'll add a C to it because I like that word. Cleave. Not like Wally and the B, but cleave. It's close. Yeah. What else? Love your wife, though you ain't got love. Yep. He's supposed to be the, the head, right? Right. Anything else? Here's how I sort of did this. I went over here and I took this and I put down, because I know we talked about that earlier, about understanding way. Nourish, cherish, cherish. He's supposed to know her. Because guess what? Not every woman is the same. I know some of y'all guys didn't know that tonight. Just the truth right at you, right? So he's supposed to be the head of his wife to sacrifice himself and burden to move things forward on behalf of his family. He's supposed to love 
his wife as Christ loved the church. He's supposed to know his wife, pay attention to, nurture, cherish, sanctify, cleanse, love her, loves her as he loves himself, uh, to leave his father and mother. I, I think that's a good thing on here because some of us, mama's boys still need some of that as well, right? It's a biblical command. I want to point at this word right up your head, right? The meaning of this word in Greek, it says K-E-P-H-A-L-E. It says kephali. I'm not a Greek scholar. But it's translated head here, and it occurs over 2,336 occurrences in ancient Greek literature. And in every instance, it was used to mean authority over our ruler. A lot of people today, you know, they're doing taking the scriptures, and they're saying, oh, that's not what that means. No, that's what it means everywhere else that it's referenced, to be the head. Notice that the man is commanded four times to love his wife. Why do you think it was repeated that many times? Randy, huh? Right? We take four times sometimes for us to listen to. If God does it four times, guess what we need to do? We need to listen and then we need to love her, right? So, notice that all four of these are referred to agape love, which is several, there's a couple different words for love in the Greek. And the New Testament has over 200 references to agape love. I want to talk about that just for a minute, and then we're going to get down where we're done. Agape is one of several Greek words for love. The Bible also mentions phileo, brotherly love, eros, erotic love. And the Greeks also spoke of something called storge, which is love between family members. Agape love is different. It's not a feeling, right? We always talk about love. (sighs) No, no, this is not that kind of love. Love is a motivation for action that we are free to choose or reject. I always look and I think of John 3.16. For God did what? He so loved the world that he, he did something. Right? We talk about love and all the time. The problem is, is that love doesn't call us to action. That's what this kind of love is, fellas, for us. And guess what, wives? You should love your husband this way too. But the primary thing here is for the men. We need to love them and be called to action. Do something about what we're saying, right? So... Agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, if we go back up here, it says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, same kind of love, as Christ loved us. And what did he do? He loved us, and he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God couple other things. We're to agape love God. We're to agape love our neighbor. We're to agape love even our enemies, right? We're not to agape love money, darkness, our man's approval, but this is telling us we're to love our wives in a sacrificial way. So, fellas, wrapping it up to us, we must love our wives as Christ loved the church, which is sacrificial love. Talk to most guys, are you willing to give your life for your spouse? Yeah. I'd take a bullet. Will you get off the couch? <laughs> we always talk in this hyperbole world over here. And guess what? It's about what are you doing right now? Are we opening up the Word of God and speaking truth into their life? How about praying for them on a regular basis? If we added up all that we sacrifice for our families, what does it add up to? Take a week and say, okay, here's what I did. Not because I'm trying to earn something, right? Because we can't earn nothing. This is what I did because of what God's done for me, for my family. Does it add up to anything? Mm. Not only are we to sacrificially love our wives, but we're also called 
to a purifying love. Divine love seeks to completely cleanse those from every act of sin and evil, and a Christian husband's desire should be for her to be perfectly conformed to Christ. So he leads her towards purity. Going back to what Christ did for the church. The same thing is for us. Caring for her needs is the same as caring for yours. That's an issue with some of us who don't care for ourselves so much that we pass along to our wives. I thought about that. Some of us have issues with, each, with ourselves. Do any of y'all have that? When you do something wrong, what do you say? And that was stupid. Man, I'm such an idiot. Y'all ever say that? Or is that just me? It could just be me, right? And oftentimes when we treat ourselves in such a manner, you know what we do? We treat other people like that as well. We've got to be real careful with what we think of, of ourselves. Who should we care? Who should we look to for how he thinks about us? With my kids, especially if they've gotten to be adults and they struggle with teenagers, all that kind of stuff, go read what the Bible says about you. Not what some other girl or some other boy or anybody else says. What does God say about you? We need to have that kind of thing in our head about who God says we are, how we're accepted, instead of thinking about what we think of ourselves. Men, it just ought not to be so. If we're in Christ, we need to get care of this mindset that brings us back where we were instead of being grateful for where Jesus has brought us. Final thought, 730. Does your marriage reflect the love between Christ and his church? If people were to look on your marriage for a season, for a week, for whenever, does your marriage reflect the love between Christ and the church so much that they would be able to say, man, I think I know God better. I've seen what love is. I just want you to know, guess what? There's hope. If we're struggling, there's grace and mercy that's available through Christ. Guess what? All marriages struggle. Maybe yours don't as much. Hallelujah. Bless your heart, right? Most of us are going to struggle. It's going to be tough. And you know what your initial reaction is going to be most of the time? Ah, no. Hang. I think I've said this for five weeks now. Hang in there. God is faithful, right? One of the things you can do here, you can pull together with the body of Christ. There's other people in here that can walk beside you through whatever you're going through now. Don't think you're alone. We just talked about isolation last week, right? You're not alone. Don't think about that. Pull together. And that's all I thought tonight when I looked at this, I think one of the main things that I had to look at was I need to be humble. I don't know about y'all, but I struggle with humility. Sometimes I think a whole lot of me. Sometimes I don't like me. It's real weird. My brain is messed up, right? We need to humble and we need to submit to the authority of God so that we can be part of this glorious church right here, right? Oh, where's it at? I want to read one time here at the end. It says, the husband's, well, I don't want to go. It says, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That should be the target that we're aiming for. Is that your personal area that you're looking for and your family, your wife, and your family? What are you striving for? If you can strive for this, you'll be striving for something that lasts forever. Amen? All right, we're going to go to our small groups. I'm going to pray and we'll kick it. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for not leaving us, God, without knowing what our roles and responsibilities are, God. I'm so thankful for your word because it shines light. And not just once, God, it shines light every time I open it. As we say on Sunday mornings here, when we open up the word of God, you speak. God, you speak loudly. Sometimes you speak softly. Sometimes, God, I have to seek you. It's really difficult. Sometimes, God, when I open it up, you come flowing off the pages. God, I'm so thankful that you didn't leave us without knowledge of how we're to act. 
And I pray, God, as we talk in our small groups and as we go in our lives, God, I pray that we would understand what sacrificial love really is, what it means to submit. It's not putting yourself under somebody's heel. No, no, no. It's put partnering yourself with somebody so that y'all can equally go after what God has called us to do in marriage. That's the kind of example the world needs to see. So God, I just pray you would guide our discussion. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to speak. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, be glorified in all that's said and all that's done. And all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All righty, let's hit our small groups.